This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning, good morning, and though it's a sad and sometimes scary world, we're going to call it a great morning because we are gardeners who can help heal a hurting world. Welcome to our party. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting's weekly garden program. We call it the Gestalt Gardener, and I'm your host, horticulturist, Felder Rushing. Our producer is the esteemed Jonas Adams, and we're going to try our best to muddle through an hour or so of talking about gardening in the dog days of summer. Sit back and relax, even though it's uh, I, I'm still over in England where it's nice and cool. My head is in Mississippi, thinking about my garden and what I can be doing and what needs to be done. We're going to just talk about it with some cheese music coming up in a few minutes. So sit back and relax. We're going to take a break for a little bit of news and come back with this garden party we call the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. How are you, Sir Jonas? How did you fare over the the hot July 4th weekend? You and the boys get along okay? We did pretty well. We went all the way up to Chicago where the humidity is kind of non-existent. It was hot, but it wasn't anywhere compared to what Jackson, Mississippi has. Yeah, welcome back, I guess. Hey, you you sent me an email about looking for some blue flowers that would do well in Chicago. What's up with that? Yes, my brother just recently purchased a new home within about the last six to seven months. and He's fell in love uh-huh. with his lawn and his garden and all type of stuff. And that was the question he asked me because he knows that I, you know, I produced this program. So when I text that to you and then I I forwarded your response to him and he was super excited. So I'm pretty sure he's been, you know, at all the local garden stores and floral shops all week long. Well, you know, I'm sure that to to non-gardeners, words like scavola and angelonia and things like that, they seem kind of weird. But, you know, if you would just take that list to a garden center, they'll know what he's talking about. Right. He's probably just going to show them the phone, like, do this. (laughs) That's what I would do. You know, yeah. And and these are, you know, there's a lot of weird plants out there that are great plants, but they don't have decent names, you know. So we go by the Latin names and that's kind of off-putting to a lot of folks. And I wish we could just come up with numbers or something like that for plants. I want a number 53 if you got it in blue. Right. <laughs> anyway, we, we, it, was a, it was a week off for me, too. I managed to get down and do some stuff last week. I'll talk about that, that in a few minutes. But, you know, we are in the dog days. I don't know if you're familiar with those or not, Jonas. I know you've heard about them. Heard about them, don't know the specifics. Well, the old Romans used to think in the middle of the summer when it got really, really hot, something about the, some of the, the alignment of the, the stars or the, the dogs, the Sirius, the, uh, you know, something about the stars and the alignment. But basically, they said this is the time of year that makes the blood in people's heads boil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's assuming that it's not too humid. But uh, anyway, we, it's going to be like this through August, so we need to sit back and relax. I also found out that July is both National Hot Dog Month 
and National Grilling Month, which is quite convenient, but also National Smart Irrigation Month. And I don't want to hit that too hard, but we can sure talk about that. And before we go any further, let me mention this, because I, 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 I love to promote garden events, uh, especially those that are free. Uh, but the Kapaya County Master Gardeners are holding their, their monthly talk, their, their July garden talk. It's coming Tuesday, July 12th. Uh, it starts at 5.30, so folks who, who work till 5 can still have a chance to get there. Uh, but it's going to be at the Kapaya County Extension Service Office, uh, which, which I've given a talk to this group before. It's a real good group of folks. Uh, it's at the Kapaya County Fairgrounds, which is only about a quarter mile or so west of Interstate 55 at Exit 65. It's got a sign on the interstate, the Kapaya County Fairgrounds. Anyway, Shelby Bearden, who is the County Extension Director there, uh, he's going to be talking about Friends or foes, answers, questions answered about weeds. Again, outdoor prizes and refreshments is free. The whole uh, educational gardening program starts at 530 this coming Tuesday. Oh, and did I mention it's going to be air-conditioned, too. So, folks, if you got any kind of garden-related events that uh, our listeners may be interested in or welcome to, give us a call. Shoot us an email, um, and I'll be glad to promote it. Our email is garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, by the way, Jonas, uh, it's something that's not exactly garden-related, but when I was doing research on the dog days and the Roman holidays and all that, I came up with a, there's a really big uber-geek joke that went over my head completely last week. Interested in hearing about it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, you've been, re- been reading about the space mission that uh, NASA sent a, a probe to Jupiter. Yeah, I don't know if you – we got this space thing that took five years and a couple of billion miles to get to you know, circle around Jupiter, and his name is Juno, which is not that big a deal unless you know the backstory. Here it is. In Roman mythology, Juno, who's the daughter of Saturn and married to Jupiter, is the queen of all gods, also the goddess of marriage and the mother of Mars and Vulcan. Anyway, then the month of June was named after her. But here's the joke. Uh, Jupiter was uh, the head god. He was a philanderer. So anyway, this philandering god Jupiter, he drew a veil of clouds around himself to hide all his mischief. And his wife, the god of Juno, was able to peer through the clouds and reveal Jupiter's true nature. Hence the name NASA gave its cloud-piercing photography mission, Juno, to peer through Jupiter's mysterious clouds. Isn't that stupid? (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is what you do when you don't have a real job. Okay, Jonas? I look up to you. <laughs> I'm trying to be exactly like you when I grow up, hair and all. Oh, Lord. Well, anyway, then I, just, I was why did they name it Juno? And then I realized it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a, a scientist, geek, Roman mythology joke. And it went right over my head. Oh, by the way, this past Monday, 4th of July, uh, uh, which was actually the 4th of July, I had the privilege of being one of, if not the only American garden journalist, to be given a press accreditation to attend the Hampton Court Royal Flower Show uh, on setup day, the day before the public is allowed in. It's uh, only workers, media, judges are allowed on the site. Uh, anyway, to be the Hampton Court Royal Palace Show, uh, which is just outside London, is a lot better, certainly more practical for garden variety gardeners than the more famous Chelsea Flower Show held in May. So if anybody's ever thinking about going over to England to, to visit a flower show, the Chelsea Show is great. It's crowded. It's impossible. It's 
not overrated, but is it a bad time of year to be in England? It's still cold and rainy and nothing's really blooming at all. If you're really interested in seeing some great gardens and enjoying good weather and a great flower show, think about July, Hampton Court Flower Show. Last year, uh, Rick Griffin came over, and he and I did the, the flower show and had a good time meeting some designers and all. And the day before uh, the the, uh, the flower show, I toured uh, Kew Botanic Garden, which is one of the, the biggest botanic gardens in England. I've been there numerous times. And the day before that, I spent time studying plants at the Cambridge University Botanical Garden. I even stayed at the Stephen Hawking Building that night. Uh, the biggest trends I'm seeing still include smaller, well-defined lawns, little lawns well-defined, recycled containers, raised beds with vegetables, herbs, flowers, landscape-quality fruit plants, and a lot of emphasis on pollinators, not just butterflies, but also bees and flies and other things. And there's still an emphasis on mixed plantings, not a whole bunch of the same stuff, not everything pruned into perfection. Uh, practical paving, walkways, uh, practical outdoor seating areas covered and screened for shade and wind breaks, water gardens, fire pits. These are the kind of things I've been promoting for a long time because they're, they're trending because they're practical. Uh, back in Mississippi, though, I know it's hot, hot, hot. I talked to my daughter the other day. She's watering my plants every couple of three weeks while I'm gone. And uh, she said everything's doing fine, but she has to really spend extra time soaking everything. I, I get her to water things two times, water everything once, and then go back after a few minutes and water everything a second time. So that second watering really, really soaks in. It cuts down how often she needs to water, puts the water down deep. Uh, I also asked her to take a look on some of the uh, the vegetables I've got, vegetables and herbs, uh, and go ahead and pick anything off that's ready to be picked to keep it from going to seed. Uh, and um, I'm already starting to think about what I'm going to be planting uh, later this summer when I get home for a fall garden. But, you know, we can plant a fall garden uh, well into August and still get a great harvest. So be thinking about that. By uh, If you have something that dies or gets harvested or just sick and tired of it, go ahead and work the dirt up. Add a little bit of mulch, cover it up with mulch, and it'll be ready to plant when you get ready. So, uh, and we can talk a little bit later about homemade irrigation, about uh, drip irrigation, and plastic pots, all that kind of stuff. But I'd like to turn this into a call-in program because it's been two weeks since I've talked to anybody. So, Jonas, have we got the phones open this morning? They're open, and they're completely free. We have four lines open right now. All right. Well, let me get that toll-free number, folks, because uh, no matter where you are, we will talk to you for free on our nickel, I guess you could say, about whatever's on your gardening mind. I'm getting a lot of emails, but the number is toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. 1-877-MPB-RING. Be glad to talk with you about anything. I- I've been getting a lot of emails. Jonas, I don't know how many you've been sending me, but I've been knocking them out. And uh, people are interested in, what's this plant? What's this bug? Do I need to do this? Uh, and I've got uh, some really interesting emails love to share. But, again, it's a live call-in program. So if you want to call and chat about your garden, one eight seven seven mpb ring One of the emails I got this past week, actually a series of emails, uh, we have a little uh, neighborhood website uh, called Nextdoor. Uh, in my neighborhood, and uh, this guy found a snake in his yard. Second time he saw it, wants to know if somebody come over and kill it or get rid of it. He had a picture of it, and it was a big black snake with lots of tiny, tiny little pale yellow, almost white-looking spots all over it, black, with lots of little pale yellow-white spots on it. And uh, that's a speckled king snake. 
And almost immediately, everybody in the neighborhood said, you don't want to kill that thing. If you want to get rid of it, I want it. Because a speckled king snake eats other snakes for a living, not just rats and mice, but it eats other snakes. If you got a speckled king snake, uh, you're not going to have any poison snakes. As a matter of fact, you're not going to have any of the good snakes around. So uh, if you see one of those, uh, even if you have a real cellular level of atavistic fear snake, jump back, calm down, put the shovel down, poke it with a stick, and make it go away. Because it got that big eating stuff, you'd rather not have more. You'd rather not have the snakes. Speckled king snakes probably the single best snake to find in your garden, even if you're scared of them. Um, some of the other emails, and if you want to give us a call, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, I got a, an email from Mary Jane. I don't know where she's from. She said, we had planted an apple tree early this year, and it's doing well. My question is, it's, now it's sprouting below the graft. Does that mean we have two different trees? And the answer is yes. Uh, grafted fruit trees, apples, pears, peaches, plums, crab apples, if they sprout, down, or even roses, if they're grafted, if they sprout from below the graft, that's the root stock. It's not going to be productive or it's not going to be desirable. So if you have something that's grafted, sprouted below that, just simply cut the sprouts off, cut them flush without leaving any stubs. And uh, if you keep that up, you know, once, maybe twice a year, uh, then what's above the graft will be exactly what you wanted to, to plant to begin with. Also got an email from Susan Hill from Columbia, who's been cutting her goldenrod back so it won't get so leggy. That's what I did right before I left uh, a, a couple, three weeks ago. A uh, goldenrod gets tall, it's pretty, it's beautiful, the, the, the most common field goldenrod. If you cut it back to about, oh, two or three feet tall, it'll bush out and have more stems with more flowers on a more compact plant later. And I wouldn't do any pruning on fall-blooming things past about now, middle of July or so, to give the plants time to put out new growth that'll do their thing this fall. So fall-blooming stuff, including goldenrod and even roses, if you want to cut them back a little bit right now, you'll sacrifice a few blooms. We'll have a thicker, fuller, heavier blooming plant real, real soon. Pruning does that. Um, our number again, toll-free, mpb ring Be glad to, to uh, kick around any ideas if you want to give me a call. Um Felder. Yes, sir. We're going to take yeah. a quick break, and now we have a full list of callers to get to. We're going to take a quick break and get right to those, okay? All right. Sounds good. And uh, while we're going to that, let me say I got another good question about deadheading Angelonia. Summer, uh, summer Snapdragon Angelonia, one of my favorite summer blooming annuals. I think Angelonia wants to know if they need to, to deadhead or cut the old flowers off, and no, you don't. Get your, your summer blooming uh, annuals, a little fertilizer to help them spruce up a little bit, put on a little extra growth. Just don't overdo it. We don't want to push them too much in this hot, hot weather. A little fertilizer, good soaking, and that's all it'll take. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. Support for the Gestalt Gardener comes from Old House Depot. Antique windows, doors, shutters, flooring, and exposed beams. Architectural salvage, custom carpentry, you name it. Open 9 to 5 Monday through Saturday, 639 Monroe Street in Jackson. OldHouseDepot.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture still rushing, and I understand we have a bunch of calls. We've got some emails that came pouring in, but let's first, Jonas, let's go straight to the phone calls. Yes, let's go to Bob in Ocean Springs. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing this morning? Staying cool? Doing doing great, but staying hot. <laughs> well, sorry about that. What can I help you with? I have a plum tree that the leaves are being eaten, and I've looked on the underside. Uh, I can't find anything there. And it, it dawned on me that I've also got knockout roses with the same problem. Uh, what could I... What can I expect, and what should I use? Uh, the, the, the leaves are actually disappearing. They're being chewed on, right? That's what it looks like, yes. You know, without seeing what the critter is, and there's so many different things that could be, um, I, I really can't make a, a good recommendation because the sprays we have uh, for insects are strictly, the, the stuff that we have nowadays um, are, are not that effective unless they actually get on the insect. You can right. mix up... A liquid seven, S-E-V-I-N. Right. And mix up, use the liquid and put a little dish detergent in with it sure. uh, to help it spread out, stick on, and spray that late in the day. That's a that's an insecticide that doesn't poison pollinators and all, but anything that bites into it, it'll get it. So all that's right. probably your best thing you can put on that'll that'll be there when whatever's eating it comes back. All right, because without it seeing it, I have no clue what I'm dealing with. Yeah, it, you know, I can recommend uh, it, natural insecticides, but again, most of the liquid sprays are contact only. If the creature's not there, it's not going to do any good. Liquid 7 will disappear, and again, that little bit of dish in terms of helps it spread out and stick on the bottom of those uh, kind of slick leaves. All right, I'll give that a try. Thanks, Felder. All righty, good luck on it. Thank you. And if, you bet. And uh, before we go back to the phone calls, uh, Jonas, you had just forwarded me an uh, email from Ellen Newsom. Has a plant with fuzzy leaves like lamb ears, growing a big rosette, and a tall stalk of yellow flowers. Do I know what it is? And do I ever? This is called mullein, M-U-L-L-E-I-N. It's a biennial. The flower, the plants make a little small, clumpy, rosette, fuzzy-looking plants one year. The next year, they make bigger rosettes and set up a tall spike of yellow flowers. Let them go to seed. Uh, the flower stalk will stay up there long after it gets through blooming. And then take it and go, go ahead and just beat it all over the place and spread seeds everywhere. But it's called giant mullein. It's a wonderful, wonderful plant. Who else we got on the phone, Jonas? We have Teresa calling from Brandon about beetles on her crepe myrtles. Morning, Teresa. What's that beetle look like? What's it doing? Um, well, when we're sitting under the tree, I mean, the honeydew is coming down like rain. Yeah. But these, these are little dark brown bugs with a yellow head, and they have, when you turn them over, they have stripes on the underside. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't even begin to get some. You have a, can you send me a picture of it? Because sure. if you can, I can identify. You know, get a real good, clear, close-up picture of some. Uh, I would be, I would hate to recommend a spray when the when the bees are on the trees. Well, it's a huge yeah. crepe murder. I 
Yeah, I I you wouldn't be able to spray it anyway. Uh, it, it may be something beneficial. You know, it, who knows? It might be the larvae of ladybugs. Until I see it, I really can't even begin to guess. But it's not practical to spray a crepe myrtle. And so, you know, uh, unless there's something that's seriously affecting the tree where it looks like it's dying, I don't think I'd recommend anything. Anyway, let's identify it first. Shoot me a picture. Sure will. Thank you. All righty. And, uh, and by the way, that email is garden at mpbonline.org. I'll be glad to get right on it. Thank you. All righty. Moving along. We have, we have Hubert calling from Jackson. Hey, Hubert. Good trying to find sir. out, trying to find the identification of a tree. Hello. Hey, what can I help you with? Hey, good morning. Well, I hope I can. I can I'm helping what? the chart clear. And, uh, it's got a tree in it that's got leaves on it like poison ivy. Can you hear me? Yeah. Leaves okay. like poison ivy. So, it's poison ivy off the yard, but I was concerned about the tree being poison ivy. It's got a okay, well, okay, the only tree that I know of that has leaves like poison ivy, three leafless, is actually a type of maple called box elder, E-L-D-E-R. Box elder is a maple with three leaflets just like poison ivy. Oh. And, uh, matter of fact, when, when it comes up from the from the ground, it looks sort of like poison ivy. But uh, we don't we, we don't have poison ivy trees. We do have some poison oak trees. Um, excuse me, uh, poison sumac trees. But they're they're stubby looking things that have clusters of white flowers, and you're only going to find those in kind of low wet areas. That, you know, not many people have ever seen a poison sumac. But uh, okay, well, I would I would. Th- yeah, I would okay. think a box elder. Look look up oh. box elder, Acer nagundo. Okay, second thing, I, I trimmed back my blueberries last year, and it just grew enormous this year. Great crop of birds ate all of them. When can I cut it back, and how far back can I cut it, make it where I can build a crate over it, I'm going to screen over it, birds off. Okay, I heard everything except what kind of tree it was. Blueberries. Blueberry, okay, blueberry. Uh, you can cut those back pretty hard right now. Do they have suckers coming up from the ground, uh, stems yeah. coming up from, from – okay, you yeah. can cut those back a little bit. You know, the, the suckers come up, cut them back to two or three feet tall. They will bush out the rest of the year. And then the tall stuff you just got through picking, you can go ahead and just completely get rid of that and let the lower stuff replace it. So snip, get rid of the tall stuff, tip prune the, the suckers, and anything that's left, that you did cut out, cut the new growth of it back a little bit, and it'll bush out, and you still got plenty of time if you get right on that. Okay, well, it's taller than me. Yeah, yeah, they they do that. But, but again, what commercial growers do is they routinely cut out the tall stuff they just got through picking and then cut all the new growth back just a little bit, and they do that as soon as they get through harvesting. Okay, thanks. All right, good luck on it. How about it, Jonas? All right, next up is Jimmy calling from Chula about blackberry bushes. Hey, Jimmy, I can't imagine being in the Delta this time of year. I'm from the Delta, but bless your heart. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, what can I help you with? Okay, I've, I've transferred some blackberry bushes to my backyard, and they're being tar. Some of them are, and then some of them are not. I want to know, am I picking those too early that are tar? Or is something else wrong? And I'm not sure. What is it? Are they? They're just. They're not sweet at all. Well, some of them are sweet, and then some of them are too tar. 
Yeah, and that's going to, you know, that's probably going to have as much to do with weather as anything. You know, back in the spring, it was real, real wet, then it turned turned hot and dry. And that the sugars, and the same thing can happen to, to, to any kind of fruit that's got sweetness to it. If the sugars aren't very concentrated, then they're going to be pretty tart. Some varieties are, are more tart than others. But uh, this could be more of a more of a weather and watering related thing than 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 anything. Not much you could do about it except keep the plants watered. You know, uh, the the three or four weeks before you harvest them, make sure they get a good soaking. If we go a couple of weeks without rain, that's about all you can do. Okay, really. well it's been dry and I haven't been watering them, so that may be my well, problem. Yeah. You know, all the, all the blackberry and a tomato and a, and all, they're just bags of sugar water. They don't have much water in them. They're not going to, you know, they're, they're just not going to, you know, be as tasty. Okay, I'll set up a sprinkler for them then. Well, rather than a sprinkler, you know, if you could just give them a good, slow, deep soaking every couple of weeks or so, that's that's really better than watering them all the time. You know, a good, okay. slow soaking is better than, than watering all the time. Okay. All right. Thank you. All righty. Good luck. Let's hope they have a sale on sugar down at the, Jitney, the Piggly Wiggly. Yes. Good luck on it. I, I, I got an email, Jonas, from uh, Ann Taylor. From She's an alderman up in the town of Tishomingo. She, she, she said they got a bed of knockout roses right outside the community center, and the Japanese beetles just completely stripped them. But should this – would that really uh, – Affect whether the roses need to be pruned. No, as a matter of fact, if you got a, a bad infestation of Japanese beetles, sometimes just pruning the rose back gives them less to feed on, and it stimulates strong, healthy new growth. So, you know, whether you got Japanese beetles or not, pruning roses back a third or so right now really helps spruce them up, picking them up, and have more flowers later. So, I wouldn't worry about the Japanese beetles. And I'll send you an email about this. You still got some callers on the line, Jonas? Sure do. We have Jane from Madison calling about asparagus. Morning, Jane. Howdy. Hey, Felder. Hey, um, I have two-year-old asparagus that has done very well. It's in its own little area in my yard, and I harvested lots of asparagus, but now it stopped harvesting the asparagus, and I have you know, all the shoots that are just feathery, ferny shoots. Should I cut them back? Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. no. That's, that, that's the asparagus plant. Those are the leaves. They're, they're getting energy, sending it down to the crown so that next year they'll have stronger new shoots. It's really okay. important to leave those because that's how they feed themselves. And all, all we're doing with asparagus basically is eating the earliest shoots and then leaving the rest to, to, to make the plant grow and store up energy for more shoots next year. So just leave it all winter and everything. Don't even cut them. Well, they, they'll die down as soon as it gets cold. They die down, but okay. uh, awesome. that, now they t- they they tend to be kind of floppy. So you may want to put some stakes or some little rings or something like that to keep them from flopping over because they do get uh, sometimes chest high or taller. So keep them from flopping over. But that's that's an important part of the asparagus. Okay, I got it. One more thing, real quick. I have the thornless blackberry, which is uh-huh. really fabulous. I got tons of blackberries. And now I have shoots and crazy vines going all over. Should I cut those back now or just leave them? A uh, little of both. Cut the, 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 stem, the canes that had berries this year, go ahead and cut those back to a, you completely get rid of them or a foot or a foot and a half or so tall. And then anything new that grew this year, the stuff that didn't have berries on, 
cut it back to up to two or three feet tall so it will bush out the rest of this year have more berries next year so just like with blueberries what you do when you get through picking blackberries cut the tall stuff back and tip prune the new growth so that it bushes out for more berries next year well thank you i'll do just that okay appreciate your call okay bye see ya Everybody's getting all cranked up about pruning right now. I can't imagine getting outside unless you do it first thing in the morning and still wear a hat. What's up, Jonas? We'll get one more call before we go to the cheesy music. Jerry from Bay Springs is calling about grapes. Hey, Jerry. Good morning. Good morning, Felder. Look, uh, the guy that just called a minute ago, I didn't catch all of it. Uh, uh, So I've got another question. Were you saying cut back blueberries right now? Yeah, the stuff that's too tall to pick. You know, if it, you know, when it gets really, really big, you cut that stuff out, and then what's left, cut the new growth back a little bit right now. Go ahead and get it done soon, so it has time to bush out, mature, set flower buds before fall. You'll have more compact plants with more berries next year. But let's not do any pruning past about the middle or so of this month. Okay. Look, my question was that I've had. Uh, grapevines on my property for 10 years now and never saw a grape and all of a sudden i see some on on one vine now and i don't know whether it's scuppernongs or muscadines i'd like to know the difference and also why do i have grapes now and i haven't had them for 10 years (laughs) okay well first of all scuppernong is a type of muscadine they get those bronze those yellow kind of golden muscadines they're called scuppernongs after one of the old original varieties called scuppernong, and the, the, the purple ones are still muscadines. Okay. Uh, you can tell if it's, a, if, it's a tr- if it's a muscadine of any kind by looking on the stem. They have these tendrils, these little stringy things that wrap around things. Yeah. A muscad- if you were to straighten those out, if it's just one long curly thing, that's a muscadine. If it forks, if it comes out and then branches out, that's a grape. That's okay. the easiest way to tell them apart. Anyway, uh, a lot of this has to do with pollination. You know, if 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 you have a female only vine and it doesn't get pollination because there's not another male or it rains or whatever, it won't make fruit. So it sounds like you've got a female vine that has some males nearby and the weather was right and it got pollinated. That's all okay. it is to it. Okay, good. One more quick question. I have some uh, trees that grow straight up and they're naked in the wintertime and they have thorns all along the trunk and they're very slender and the top of it looks like a a rosebud or something before it blooms and then when they bloom out they look like sumac or what i think of as sumac but the main the main oh yeah 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 i know what it is they have big bad thorns all along the trunk yeah, yeah. This is actually a native vine. I don't know if it's related to sumac or not. It's called uh, Devil's. What is it? Uh, Devil's. I just, stay tuned. I can't. It's Devil something. Uh, it's a, and it's, it's a, a native plant. It, it's oh, a I know. I know. I, yeah, I, I know. And it has a big ball of sumac looking flowers up at the top. Uh huh. But it's not yeah, black yeah. locust or anything like that. Not not if it's a single trunk that has these leaves that spread out. The, the individual leaves are branched several times themselves. Well, they're they're football shaped, uh, best I remember. Uh, what the leaves? And, the leaves but, are. Yeah, but the main cut, and you know, they come out like in nine of them. 
you know, four or five on each side and one at the end, okay. I believe. Okay. And you, you the main, the main you characteristic, get... though, is those bad thorns on the trunk that'll stick you. Well, that, that, that might be a type of locust. Send me a picture. Okay. My, 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 my first inclination does, has a different kind of leaf on Send me a picture. Let's see what we can come up with. It's time for some cheesy music. Did I come up with some extra cheese? Which one did you go with, Jonas? I think we're going to go with the country tune, Hello Summertime. Okay. This is a, a guy who had a, a, a sort of a, a variety show back in, the, in the, the early 70s, but the other one we'll play next week is really, really cheesy. So let's, let's go ahead and do that and take a break. We've got plenty of time to talk with folks about uh, whatever's on your gardening mind. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and this is the Gestalt Gardener. Production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. Uh, I've been looking at emails while we've been talking, and uh, as even when we get off the uh, off the when we get off the air, Jonas stores the emails all through the week. So anytime you have a question about gardening, shoot me one at garden at mpbonline.org. Again, horticulture spell the rushing. We're gonna take a break from Mississippi Public Broadcasting to start gardening program right after some really cheesy summertime music. And remember, gardeners have a chance to heal a hurting world. Birds and bees and all the flowers and trees Fishes on the line Girls and guys and yellow butterflies Sing hello summertime A homemade boat and a river to float With nothing on our mind Summer moon above, two people in love Singing hello summertime, summertime Laying back in the sun Yes, summertime From a limb, drop in for a swim. Hey, the water sure looks fine. Ain't nothing wrong, just floating along, singing hello, summertime. Summertime grins, lots of good friends, we're all feeling fine. Watch the sun go down, hear the summer sound, singing hello, summertime, summertime.
MPB Think Radio is your voice for Mississippi. If you or your community has an event coming up and you'd like help spreading the word, send us an email. You've got mail. To PSA at mpbonline.org. I was recently diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma. Those of you who've been listening to the news are probably totally confused about breast cancer and breast cancer screening. What choices exist to detect breast cancer? Is there a right way to fight it? The option that was presented to me by my surgeon was lumpectomy. Learn more in an MPB Southern Remedy documentary special, A Plan to Survive, Thursday night at 7 on MPB TV. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture is still rushing. I was trying to remember Devil's Devil something like that, and then I got an email from, uh, from a listener, Devil's Walking Stick. Uh, and I remember the Latin name, Aurelia spinosa, but it doesn't have football-shaped leaves. So I'm going to have to take a look at this. You know, there's so many different kinds of plants to be identified that uh, a good, clear, close-up picture really, really helps a lot. And you can send those and email questions to garden at mpbonline.org. I'll be real glad to answer them. It might take me a day or two if I'm traveling, but I'll get around to them as quick as I can. Meanwhile, let's go back to the phones here at one eight seven seven m P.B. Ring. How's it going, Sir Jonas? Doing well. We have Steve, who's been holding for a while, from Spokane, Louisiana, calling about milkweed. Hey, Steve. What's, what's, where is Spokane? Well, right there by Lake St. John. I got you. I got you, Pig. God, well, God's you? country. Let me tell you, uh, it's awful early in the morning, but that song you exited with earlier was appropriate for a little wine to go with that cheese. <laughs> you're you're exactly right. You're exactly hey, right. Hey, look, I just I just wanted to throw out maybe a tip and get your opinion on a few plants I'm fixing to mention that may help these people who that like me who enjoy butterflies and hummingbirds but get uh-huh. tired of having to mix the sugar water. Uh, yeah. A few years back, few years back, I discovered a fabulous plant that a friend of mine who has a nursery in Baton Rouge gave me. It's uh, the yellow and orange milkweed plant. Have you ever grown it? I, I have. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, that's called tropical uh, milkweed or curasavica. Asclepias curasavica, or even called, bl- sometimes called blood milkweed. And it's a good hardy perennial for you. And uh, oh, it's probably the be- best there is for the, for the garden because it blooms all the time. It blooms all summer long, and I'll tell you what, it draws the monarch butterflies. So between that and mixing red shrimp plants, and a plant called cigar plant. I haven't mixed hummingbird fluid in five years. And yeah, I'll tell you what, another they, quit, they quit going to my hummingbird uh, feeders because of the milkweed. Well, not as much as milkweed. That's mostly butterflies. But the, that, right. that red shrimp plant, which is a hardy grower, a perennial that will come back every year, it's been absolutely fantastic. My question for the milkweed is this. I was told that if the stalks get real big, the toxin inside may actually harm the larvae of the uh, monarch butterflies. Should I prune this back more often, or what's your recommendation? 
Okay, well, first of all, you heard something that was the second part is correct, but not the reason. Uh, what The problem with the tropical milkweed is this perennial. If we have a mild winter, it can bloom all year, and it can actually cause a buildup. Uh, I, I can't remember the, the specific thing, but it causes a buildup of something that can poison uh, some, the, the, the later ones. The solution, is, to me, is not to don't plant this stuff. It's just come fall, just cut it down. To make the butterflies, just make just, yeah, oh, you don't even have to mulch it. That's a good hearted perennial. The main thing is don't leave it up. When it's time for the for the monarchs to keep on moving, go ahead and cut it down and let them keep on moving. Because uh, if you leave it around, that does cause a problem to the monarch. And it's a it's a multiple level thing. But yeah, it is, well, I'll, I'll tell you what this 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 uh this milkweed that I have, I've got in a I've have it in a pot, and I've had it for almost five years, and I've also propagated it and given it to. Uh, several of my friends, and the uh, the red shrimp plant was one of my mother's old plants that I have kept going for all these years, and I'll tell you what, the hummingbirds and the butterflies just love the, the combination of those. And have you ever grown what we call cigar plant? Oh, yes, yes. Now, it's not as hardy up in, you know, you get up in Arkansas, northern Mississippi, Alabama, it's not going to be as hardy, but it's a great plant for summertime. It's terrific. Absolutely. Plant. Well, I just want you to know I've really enjoyed listening to your show and, and, and certainly takes our, our minds off of uh, uh, more pressing issues going around in our in our country as we speak. So God bless and you know, the show. I appreciate it. Hey, let me, let, me, let me give you one other plant to try. Okay. Uh, there, are, there are perennial salvias that have blue flowers. Uh, in any what? of the salvias that are perennial, but the ones with the blue flowers – Hummingbirds will stick their whole heads up inside those flowers. Well, and I forgot to mention that one. That's another one that I have. We, we it's you know the common name we call it black blue salvia. It has oh, there, such a dark, yeah. typical flower that it almost looks black with a dark blue. And you're absolutely correct about that. It's a little harder to grow. It doesn't like to stay wet. But I'll tell That's you what, right. you're right about that. They will almost dive completely headfirst into the whole thing. <laughs> And I tell you something really weird. If you look at the flower on the top part of it, it's got a little tiny pollen brush. Hummingbirds are going to stick their heads up in that stuff. It puts a dab of pollen on the top of their head that they take to the next flower. And that's the stupid yes. thing to know. Well, <laughs> Listen, yeah, you I, know, another one that I've noticed that the hummingbirds really, really love is I've got, again, some banana uh, plants that I got from, um, you know, before, after my mom passed away that I, that I got. And uh, yeah. they have the you know the big purple flower with the yellow tubulars coming out. They're almost uh-huh. dripping with dripping with sugar, and the hummingbirds love that too. So there's Listen, all man, kind I'm of ways not... of keeping birds without having to uh, over sugar the water, if you know what I'm saying. I do, I do appreciate the call, man. Sound like you're having some fun. Pass it on. Absolutely, enjoy the show. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking up the thing about the uh, tropical milkweed. It does cause some problems, but mostly if you leave it up too late in the fall. Uh, we got any other calls, Jonas? Sure do. We have Alan that's been waiting for a while from Meridian. Thank you for holding, sir. Hey, Alan. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? I uh, just had a kind of a general question of uh, why we kind of see certain plants grown in certain parts of the state. For instance, you know, Smith County watermelons or sweet potatoes in Vardaman or early in the year, even at the farmer's market, you'll see tomatoes and a few other things that come from Alabama. You know, why can't we grow them in Mississippi if they grow them in Alabama? What is it, soil? Is it climate? What's the reason there? 
a lot of times it's, it's just plain old marketing. We can grow those those kind of things. Now, you know, I mean, the food that's our this kind of watermelons, you know, those are branding things, bottom and sweet potatoes. And a lot of times it's because they have large cooperatives of local growers and they market their stuff together under a brand name. But there's no reason why we can't grow. Now, we do have a hard time growing the, um, oh, what's that real sweet, um, that real sweet onion from, from I can't remember the name of it. Either there's, a, there's an onion that's really extra sweet because it has extra sulfur in the soil in part of Georgia. Um, I can't think of the name of it. Anyway, mostly it's a marketing, it's a cooperative marketing effort that makes a lot of these things uh, easier to grow and easier to sell. I had to let them go. There was way too much background noise on this phone call. But um, okay. we can give him the email if he has further questions about the topic. Yeah, that, 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 there is a thing. There's no reason why we can't grow a lot of those things uh, anywhere in wherever you are with some minor variations. Uh, who else we got, sir? Andrew calling from Baton Rouge about citrus trees. Hey, Andrew. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. What's up? Uh, not much. I have some mature grapefruit, orange, and Satsuma trees, and I was wondering when should I fertilize those because they have a lot of fruit on them right now. Yeah, the, the you know they they typically bloom in the late winter, early spring, but still you want to fertilize plants at the beginning through the middle of their normal growing season. So you know, give them a little fertilizer in the spring or early summer, and just just don't be heavy with it. Remember, fertilizers like salt and pepper. You don't have to pour it on there. So a little bit of fertilizer sometime in the spring or early summer in general is all they really need. Okay, so is it too late to do it now? No. If, if you fertilize them at all, you, you say these are in containers? No, they're in the ground. They're a big okay. tree. Yeah. If, if you haven't fertilized them this year, go ahead and fertilize them now, but be very, very light because we don't want to push a lot of new growth on them this late in, in, in this kind of uh, heat and humidity. So just a little fertilizer under the outer spread of the branches, not up close to the trunk, sort of out, you know, fr- from the trunk and then water it in really good. A little bit will really help them. Just don't overdo it. Does that help? Hello? Andrew, are you still there? He must have gotten the answer he needed. Yeah, I guess so. We'll go to Ina calling from Terry about blueberries and pears. Good morning, Ina. How are you doing? Good morning, Felder. Thank you for taking my call. Doing good. How are you doing? So far, so good. What can I help you with? All right. I wanted to follow up on that uh, discussion you had with the man about the blueberries, uh-huh. uh, you know, about the shoots and um, that sort of thing. Uh, so, do you not need to cut those shoots off? Uh, oh, no, no. You don't want to cut them off. You want to cut them back so that they become new trunks. Okay. See, uh, but they, these are coming thinking. out from the from from the bottom down at the roots. Right. So, these are blueberries, right? Yes. Uh-huh. That, that, that's what we want. We, you know, these are thicket-forming plants. We want them to, to, you know, because the original plant may not live forever, but, you know, we want new new plants to come around the base. So when they get two or three feet tall, just uh, cut, cut the tips off and let them become parts of a, a thicker... Sort of like, you know how Nandina do? Mm-hmm. Yes. Same thing with blueberries. You want, you want, you know, you want to keep them bushy, but you don't want to cut those off. That, you, that's just more berries that you're, 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 that's coming up. 
Okay, okay, well, good. All right, uh, about the pears, uh, there, there's a lot of my pears, uh, you know, falling off the sloughing, I guess, of the pears. Uh, do, do, can those be composted, or do I just need to throw them in the sure. garbage? No, compost them. Okay. I, I compost. Right. The only thing I do not compost is broken glass. Yeah, okay. All right, good. Everything else, throw in the compost. And if you got raccoons and stuff like that, you might want to bury them a little bit. So, yeah. But other than that, it's no big deal. Okay. Thanks, Felder. You have a great day. Appreciate it. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. All righty. You're getting some good calls today. I've also got some good emails. And, folks, if you want to send us an email anytime, garden at mpbonline.org, I can get a lot more detail than I can because I can't remember a lot of stuff, but I can really look it up quick. Next, got, Jonas? next caller is Danny calling from Fulton about blueberry bushes as well. Hey, Danny. Yeah, but, you know, luckily, it happens to be that July is National Blueberry Month. I didn't mention that earlier, but we're getting a lot of blueberry calls. What, yeah, what can I help you with? Well, my blueberry bushes are loaded with blueberries and chiggers. You know how to get rid of yeah. the chiggers? Not really. Not without poisoning your blueberries. You know, the, yeah, I don't, you know, don't want to do that. They're pretty good this year. Yeah, there's black bears, blue bears, you know, that's one of the problems about just going outside in any kind of tall stuff is the uh, is the red bugs and stuff. Nothing you can do except uh, you know, put on some, some repellent. That's all you can do. All right then, thank you much. Okay, appreciate it. All righty. I'm looking up this stuff about the tropical milkweed. I can't find because I'm wearing bifocals and I'm trying to listen and talk at the same time, there's a parasite that tends to build up in the tropical milkweed, the ones that are pretty yellow and, and uh, red flowers. There's also one with pure yellow flowers. Um, it, it builds up over the summertime. It's normally not a problem if you, if you grow the tropical milkweed. When the monarchs come through in the fall, go ahead and cut, them, cut these plants back. It won't hurt them. It will make the monarchs move on. If they stay around because there's plenty of, 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 of food and all that, they're not going to move on. They're more likely to build up the parasites. But don't not plant this particular uh, uh, milkweed because it's a great garden plant and the monarch is better than nothing is what I'm saying. Beatrice is on the line from Philadelphia calling about squash seedings. Hey, Beatrice, what's up? Good morning, Heather. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. What you got going? Well, I've never tried to do anything with squash. Um, I love them, and this time I want to try to put some seeds in the ground. Is it too late or... No, it's really not. But here's the deal. Go ahead and work the dirt up a little extra good, a good solid shovel's depth, and and plant plant the the, uh, the seeds, uh, oh, five or six or seven in a hill. And when they come up, thin them out to just two or three plants per little group. And then put some mulch around it, like some shredded bark or something, so you can water it really good, keep the ground from getting hard and crusty and tacky and from overheating in the summertime. But you can plant squash up until the probably the middle of, of – of uh, of August and still get a harvest before frost. Main thing is you want to keep them moist, not wet, and that means mulch them and thin the plants out. Okay. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, one more question. Uh, bush beans. Mm-hmm. Is it too late for that? No, we you know we can plant an entire summer garden. What most people plant in the spring, you can turn around and plant the same exact garden in the end of July, first of August, and get a crop before fall. The problem is again, it's going to be hotter and drier, so you're going to need to not keep them wet, but you're going to. It's even more important to water right at first and to cover the ground with some kind of mulch to keep them from overheating until the plants get big enough to shade themselves. 
And that's pretty much it. You might have a few more problems with bugs, in, you know, towards the fall than you would in the spring. But other than that, we got plenty of time for bush beans and almost anything except for, for Irish potatoes, which you can't buy anyway. Our last call is Fretna from Perkinston. Hey, Fretna, good morning. Well, good morning to you, Mr. Rushing. I enjoy your show so very much. Well, uh, I, would like, I would like to ask about a bay tree. The tree I know is at least 20 years old. It has never bloomed, and we we want to know why. Well, you say a bay tree. Bay tree, yes, like a magnolia. It makes oh, yeah. it, in the wild, you know, and it grows near water, and it uh, right. makes a bloom right. similar to a magnolia, right. but it's very small. Right. I, I just want to double check on this. The sweet bay magnolia is what we call them. Okay. Um, and, and they can, you know, they all have the ability to bloom, but if for some reason it's not getting the moisture it needs or, or, or it's got a root problem or bad weather, uh, and also if it's grown from seed, sometimes they have to get a certain age before they start blooming. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, of, a lot of trees are that way. Uh, the only thing I can suggest, it sounds kind of weird, but sometime in a month or so, go out from the trunk three or four feet and make a few cuts straight down, just a few around the tree, this will cut enough roots to shock it without killing it. And a lot of times that shock will stimulate flower bud formation for next year. And how All far, how, I'm sorry, how far from the trunk? Oh, three, four, five, or six feet, seven okay. feet. You know, just out from the trunk. Just make a few cuts. This is called root pruning, and it can stimulate flower buds for next year. Okay. Well, it's grown. It's growing near a pond, so we know there's no, uh, you know, it, need, it well, has plenty of water. Uh, uh, all we could all we could do is give it a try because you know it's just like some kids are smarter and dumber than others. Some tree is going to bloom better than others. That's going to wrap us up today. It. All righty, thank you so much, man. The Gestalt Garden production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My producer today is Sir Jonas. Jonas, you've been working so hard. I really appreciate it. No problem. Kevin Farrell and, was the call screener, by the way. Okay, Kevin, I could tell him I got a good, good, bad sports joke for him later. But I'm your host, Horticulture Spell Rushing. Here's hoping your garden fares well in this hot, humid summer. And remember, gardening can help heal a hurting world. If you get a chance, go to a farmer's market or garden center, take a kid to a field trip, and show them what we know how to do best. Indoors or out, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.